Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello there. I am Andy Anatko of the Chicago Sun-Times, and this is Material, the podcast that's all about Google. And we have a very special episode. Um, I don't know if you've been following the news, uh, but the president kind of blew my cover there, which totally ruined my weekend. I was going to cook a flan and everything. I was going to have guests. Uh, but, well, I mean, uh, you know as much as I do, I got uh, outed as an enemy of the American people. So uh, we've had to move up our agenda as members of the press. Uh, and so starting off small, I mean, we're, we've taken over the material podcast. Uh, so Yasmin, not here. Uh, Russell Ivanovich, also not here. Uh, so I've brought in a fellow enemy of the American people. Please welcome uh, J.R. Rayfield. Of uh, who writes the Android intelligence col column for Computer World, and also a syndicated writer. So he's spreading his evil across many, many different attack vectors. How you doing, Jr.? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm ecstatic to be here. I, I think I speak for the entire media industry when I say it has certainly been my life goal to undermine every elected official ever in United States history. So it's good that we've been identified. It's good it's all out there. We don't have to hide anymore, you know? Well, I mean, it was it was so cool to be able to hide, though, you know, because it allowed us to now, now I got to wear that special hat and that special cape because now people are expecting a certain amount of theater with all this. It's a lot more stress than I really, really need. I mean, undermining the American people, there is a lot of wiring that has to be done. OK, and try to keep one of those big hats like on your head while you're crawling through one of those those equipment closets. I, I don't know. It's a whole new world. It's, it's, it's a lot of work and a lot of pressure, and uh, yeah, the, ga the game's definitely changed, but we'll, we'll rise to the challenge. That's why we're professionals. That's what we're here for. I mean, we're, uh, I mean so long as we still take pleasure in destroying and uh, corrupting all that America stands for and holds dear, I mean, when, we, when we're old and gray, we won't remember all the hassles. But still, again, I got, I'm just saying that there, there are 14 people who are expecting flan, and I had to make up some – anyway, let's go to uh, – uh, first, <laughs> before we get into the news of the week, uh, a couple of follow-ups uh, from previous episodes. Uh, now, remember last week uh, we were – we were talking about how a uh, former material host, Yasmin Evian, uh, <laughs> tends to get the things that she asks for on this show. Uh, someone was nice enough to actually buy the domain shedeservesthisandmore.com, uh, which I hope to be uh, the ultimate clearinghouse. It's just a placeholder for now, but uh, the ultimate clearinghouse of where to go if you want to get things for Yasmin. Uh, all these things that, of course, she deserves, uh, not even that she necessarily wants, but uh, the things things that she's earned just by being a good egg, a good sport. Um, I mean, she's such a good worker. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, she is uh, fighting to get back into the studio right now. So uh, but we'll, 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 we'll do this really nice. It'll, it'll work out well. Uh, so uh, definitely check that out if you want to see a static page. That's a nice tribute to Yasmin. Um, uh, also, you know, JR, have you been uh, – do you have uh, Android TV in your house? Yeah, we have the Mi Box. Uh, I'd actually been really big on Chromecast pretty much ever since it came out because I've always hated every streaming box I've ever had. I had <laughs> an Apple TV or two way back when. I've had a couple of Roku's. They've all just kind of been giant pains in the asses with no real <laughs> user experience to speak of. Can we say asses on this program? I guess I will it's say our, it's our show now. Two E's. If it will make people you know late for work, <laughs> then yeah. That's a good point. That's a good Bottoms, point. We'll step it up. Buttocks. Yeah. Buttock, yes. Patooey. Uh, Nipples. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd never been thrilled with them. And uh, when Chromecast came along, it was like a revelation for me. You just it plugged it in. It worked. We used our phones, which we all had on us at all times anyway. It just took all the hassle out of it. Yeah. Uh, so fast forward, gosh, however many years has been since then. And, uh, you know, I'm in a little bit of a different place in life. I have a, a young daughter, a two-year-old, and I'm trying to be on my phone less nowadays. I think we're also just at a point in technology where a lot of us are feeling that, that you don't always want to be tethered to it and, and staring at a screen. And so at the end of the evening, when I'm done with work, I'll often set my phone up on a counter away from where we're sitting. And so I was really ready for something that didn't require me to have my phone to uh, control. And the Mi Box came along. It was cheap, affordable, easy to use, and just kind of gave us a different option where we can still cast, but then we can also use a control to do it. Yeah. So very long, uh, rambling answer to your question. Yes, <laughs> we do have Android TV in our home. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to get behind Chromecast. But I can't. Uh, there, The whole principle behind it was that, hey, uh, that Google was promoting was that, hey, look, you've already got this really great user interface and this really great screen. Why not? Why do you have 
have to have a box that has a remote on it where you can use your phone as everything to, to control the, the stream of stuff. I really am, maybe it's just my age, but I really, the user interface for TV for me is I'm sitting on a sofa, I am holding a tactile device in my hand and doing what the screen tells me to do with that device. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I've, I've reviewed pretty much every box out there. I've At one point I did have... Uh, the Roku, the Apple TV, the Fire TV, and uh, the NVIDIA Shield all plugged in <laughs> my good TV at the same time. <laughs> but it was the NVIDIA Shield TV that won the Survivor uh, Immunity Challenge. Uh, really, really my favorite. And just last week, they've added a really good feature. Uh, the Android Live TV app is the standard Android TV app that you use for any live video sources. So like if you've got a, like an HD Home run or any sort of a uh, cable TV or an antenna TV, like a channels, uh, channeled uh, receiver uh, on your network, it will find it and tune it in. And now they've added DVR features to it with the latest update. Uh, not the big one that came out a few weeks ago that brought Nougat, but the just a, an incremental update to the app. And man, does it work sweet. Uh, it's such a clean interface, really easy to set up recordings, really easy to find the recordings. Um, I'm pleased enough with how well this app works that I'm willing to almost say parenthetically that it doesn't actually work. It's a, I mean, it does, it does work, but I noticed that uh, all of the video that it recorded at least yesterday, which was the first day that I had the app was recorded in like squashed aspect ratio as if it was like a, th a three, two, a three, two uh, formatted video stretched to fill fit widescreen. So I don't know if that's because of how I've got my HD home run box set up on the network or if there's a setting I've changed, but I will say that it did record that squashed video very nicely. The playback was very smooth. <laughs> it was very easy to find the stuff that I wanted. So fingers crossed that it's going to keep on working. Yeah, that's an impressive start. I mean, I think getting to that DVR state where it can really be more than just pulling in content from the internet, that it can be a full TV-like solution is is really what I've been issuing for too. And, and having seen that, I was curious to hear more about how it worked. And Hopefully that'll become a standard thing uh, moving forward because it seems like Android TV, it's always sort of been this weird thing. Like, does Google care about it? Do they not? And then there was a while where it sort of, we didn't hear much about it. And everyone thought it was going to be abandoned, especially with all the focus on Chromecast. And now I'm starting to get hope again. Maybe there is a future here that, I, I mean, who knows with Google, whether they're going to discontinue one, discontinue the other, introduce five other similar things with confusingly similar names that do different things. You never know. But for now, at least, it looks like Android TV maybe has a future and, and could become a cool thing for both geeks and sort of, you know, the more mainstream consumer people who are just looking to have something simple. Yeah. I think, well, it's, this isn't the, yeah, this is the, uh, Nvidia Shield isn't the simplest thing out there really is. Sure, sure. I, I think it's, I think it's a nice hybrid between, um, one of the things I don't like about Apple TV is that it really has pretensions to being, no, 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 this is the home media computer, the hub of your digital experience. But in practice, it really isn't much more than a Roku uh, that can't play any content that can't play any content that didn't really come from Apple to begin with. Uh, whereas Shield TV, I can it's not advertised on the side of the box, but if you want to download the Chrome browser and install it, you can actually have a web browser <laughs> installed on it if you want to install like a desktop app and just have uh, a Microsoft Word running on a 64, 65 inches and 4K, you can do that as well. Uh, but I just love how this is how Google tends to develop products where it's uh, they don't feel any shame in coming out with a 1.0 that's not great and they don't really know what people want out of it yet because you got to put it out there you gotta you gotta road show it before you figure out how people are responding to it uh and so yeah you remember how android tv was in the first iteration it was kind of promoted as the google tv box where no matter what feeds into your television set the cable comes into google and comes out through google and google is always there hiding behind what you're watching because google <laughs> has a wonderful plan for your life oh, won't you let google watch you as you watch tv it can only help you <laughs> if you learn to learn to accept it and trust it and Oddly enough, some people sort of got skeeved out by that. But now it's more of a conventional experience with a whole bunch of really cool power behind it. Uh, and I couldn't be happier. The, the Shield TV is in that horrible category of things that I was sent for review. And then, like, when I was done reviewing it, I'm like, oh, 
damn it, I don't want to unplug this. I really want it. So I had to go and buy one for myself because it was just too cool to do without. Yeah, that's just the kind of reviewer's conundrum there. And, and I've been there. I, I'm not doing as much in terms of actual hardware views, reviews these days as I used to. But, it, you know, people think, oh, you get all these cool gadgets and you must never have to buy anything. It's actually quite the contrary because you get all these cool gadgets for, you know, two, three, four, whatever weeks at a time. Then you send them back. Then you really want them because you know what it's like to have had them in your house and in your pocket and, and in your life as opposed to just seeing them in a store shelf and kind of lusting after them from afar. So it's a danger. I mean, it's I like, think it's like fostering a puppy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like now. Remember, like when when as soon as as soon as he's paper trained and as soon as he's like on solid food, you'll we'll be taking him back and training him to be an assistance animal for 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 a veteran. Like, yeah, I promise to send it back. I don't want to. be I can't love you yeah. as much as I love you, little schmoopy. Yeah. It's a danger. It's a danger. And I also like what you were describing of having the three different boxes plugged in. That's another just sort of I guess reviewer or early adopter sort of beautifully geeky situation. The same as like when you're carrying two phones in each pocket and walking around. There was a while at Google I.O. a couple of years ago, the one where they launched Android Wear, where I was wearing two different smartwatches on my wrist, walking around downtown San Francisco, you know, lifting my wrist up and saying things into my wrist. Luckily, it was downtown San Francisco, so I didn't get that many dirty looks. But, you know, in the airport leaving there, I was glared at. And, <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> that's San Francisco's a good place for that behavior. So still my my favorite like pedestrian sighting in San Francisco is still the time I was out taking a walk and I saw a fellow who was walking. He had a cup of he had a, it was like this, the most San Francisco-y experience ever. He was walking, had a full cup of like coffee in a paper cup that he held clenched in his teeth while he was walking to keep his hands freeze while he was rolling a joint. Wow. So <laughs> that I don't, is San Francisco. Uh, on, 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 on that scale, I don't think that having two smart watches on your wrist is going to freak anybody out. Uh, now, uh, before we took over the studio, I did we did trick Yasmin into pre-reading the ads. Uh, we do, of course, uh, still need the money uh, that the horrible machine that we're fighting against is going to create. Uh, so please stay tuned to listen to Yasmin and this wonderful message from Blue Apron. And this episode of Material is brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service that has the freshest ingredients for less than $10 per meal. Blue Apron delivers seasonable recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients and building a community of home chefs. Blue Apron seafood is sourced sustainably under the standard develop in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Their beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly raised animals, and their produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. Each Blue Apron meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and proportion ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. And I love Brew Apron. You know, they, they were kind enough to send us a box, and it was something that my husband and I really enjoyed cooking. And my daughter, you know, she's a really picky eater, but she gobbled it all up. So you you know that it has approval from kids. You know it's going to be super, super delicious. You can choose from a variety of new recipes each week or let Brew Apron's culinary team surprise you. No recipes are repeated within a year, and you get to keep all those awesome recipe cards, which are just so beautifully designed. Here are some of the meals you could be cooking. You can be cooking roasted pork with apple, wana, and farro salad. You get some chipotle vegetable and farro salad with avocado and crispy tortilla strips. Or you can get some vegetable fried rice bowls with cauliflower, gylon, and fried eggs. Mmm, I'm getting getting pretty hungry here. And Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental U.S. There's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. And their freshness guarantee means that every ingredient arrives ready to cook. Well, they'll make it right. Check out this week's menu and get three female free meals with your purchase, including free shipping by going to blueapron.com forward slash material. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Visit blueapron.com forward slash material. And we thank Blue Apron for sponsoring this show and all of Relay FM. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right, back to you, Andy and JR. Thanks for holding down the fort uh, while, while I'm gone this week. Thank you, Yasmin. Now, uh... 
we're, we're, we're both people who write about uh, technology. So we're both kind of interested in Mobile World Congress, which is starting in Barcelona next week, and also kind of ready to not really pay much attention to it. Uh, it really, <laughs> it's turned out to be the one venue annually in which every company that can't necessarily rate its own huge media event in New York or San Francisco makes its big media event. Uh, so there's a lot of noise, a lot of phones, not necessarily phones that are going to change the world. Uh, interesting stuff. And also it's it's like it's a lot like the same things that happened to CES where with uh, so many companies making so many announcements uh, and if companies start off by making sure, oh, on Tuesday we're going to have our big hour-long keynote at 10 a.m., and then we're going to re reveal so-and-so. But now you don't want to be in the scrum with everybody else, so you start sort of pre-announcing uh, or pre-leaking. So we seem to have most of the phone news. Um, I'll run it down. So we got uh, Motorola as the <laughs> Lenovo Google <laughs> mashup. Uh, the Moto G5 and G5 Plus are probably going to be announced. Uh, they look to be pretty conventional mid-range phones, about three hundred fifty to five hundred bucks. Uh, not not particularly thin, not particularly spectacular in, in terms of the uh, features that we've seen. Uh, it's probably most significant that um, the builds that we've seen uh, don't have any of those pogo pins, so it looks like the Moto Mods idea has died a deathly death, as most ideas seem to come from Motorola since they went back to, uh, to Lenovo. Um, yeah, that is just a sad. I, I still feel sad about the Motorola thing because there was such that that golden era when Google bought the company and things were just so great. It's like, oh wow, this is how Android phones should be done. It's yeah. it's about the overall user experience and and continuing support over time. And then Lenovo's buying them and, and shocked, but okay, no, things are going to be okay. It's going to be great. And little by little over time, wait, no, not going to be great anymore. <laughs> it's a it's a whole other thing. Yeah. I mean, especially with the the Moto G. I mean, yeah, it was at, the, at its time a really good value when it first came out. But now there's so many other phones that are also a really good value and comparable in, in specs and hardware and all that. What could have made it continue to stand out is if Lenovo kept up that commitment to support and timely OS upgrades. But uh, I mean, the, the past doesn't necessarily predict the future, of course, but it sure doesn't seem like that's a priority for them anymore based on how things have been going since they took yeah. over. I, I like the panache with, with, with which Motorola would find new ways to just enhance Android without perverting it. Like Samsung would come up with some sort of trick feature every single year and uh, – they were they're kind of interesting, but really not well implemented. And it was clear that it seemed as though this wasn't something that anybody inside the company thought. Well, my God, I was put upon this planet to engineer this feature and bring it to the phone world, <laughs> uh, and it would be maybe gone the next year. Uh, and also, you'd think that part of the reason for doing it is to make it as different from Android as possible, so that people would switch their loyalty, so to speak, from Android to no, no, no. I'm not an and I'm not I'm not an Android phone user. I'm a Samsung phone user, but Motorola. It just is, was as clean as could be, and uh, I think that they're probably the f one company that has made so many uh, enhancements to Android that found its way into the main build, uh, like uh, twisting gestures uh, for uh, for certain things, situational awareness. Uh, so yeah, it's it seems it seems like this. Um, uh, this new G5 isn't going to be like the really good $200 phone that they're really good at. So we'll see how that goes. I'm also a little bit disappointed that uh, uh, not only uh, Motorola, I think LG also last year was looking at, well, what if we were to have sort of expandable hardware, like a, here's a hardware connector so we can add an extra battery without having you put it into a special case or make give you uh, better camera capabilities. Um, I really love that idea. It's too bad that it really looks like no one has implemented that idea in a way that appeals to actual consumers because people are the camera's way good enough for for everybody else uh if you want an extra battery they're happy to take uh, spend 12 dollars on a little lipstick uh usb charger so eh, it's you just hate to see so many phones start to look so similar but that's where it's getting as we you know, they they found the gold that's been that was the the phone industry found the lumps of gold that were sitting right there in front of everybody, and now they just gotta sift finer and finer and finer to find something to make it interesting for people. Yeah, the the whole modular thing always seems so cool on paper, and you hear about it. I mean, whether it's the the Moto stuff, the it's, LG, it should when, work. 
It should right. be and, good. And it sounds so cool. Oh, you can upgrade this, upgrade that. You want it faster. You want more memory. You want more whatever. You can do it. Just plug it in. And, and you know, then in theory, your phone lasts longer because if something's outdated, oh, you can plug in a new processor, or upgrade the RAM, whatever you need to do. But yeah, it, it, no one seems to have quite done it in a way that actually makes sense. I mean, even Google had that the huge effort that, that it's really Project backed Arrow, yeah. down on. Yeah, it's, I mean, all but dead at this point. And uh, it, it is disappointing because you love as somebody who's passionate about technology to see these sorts of actually innovative things and not just, Hey, it's a little faster than last year. And Hey, the screen density is better. There are more pixels. Like, okay, no one can really tell the difference there. We're talking about marketing bullet bullet points now. And it, it's just a shame, like you said, that nobody has found a way to make that compelling in a real world sense. Maybe one day, I don't know. It seems like maybe that's just sort of been tried enough times now that it's going to be quite a while before we see someone try it again. But you know what? If uh, if, if if the only thing that was to carry through from Project Ara, it would be the idea of having the the phone's identity on a magnetic brick that could easily be snapped in and snapped out of different sort of bodies. Because if that were to take off, if that were to become a real standard, at least across Android. I could easily see myself owning three different phones, having the large screen phone that I like to have because I like to be able to read mail. I like to be able to read books. That would be my day to day carry. But then also having being able to pop it out and put it into a like a flip phone sort of thing because I'm going to be spending the day at a family wedding and I don't have a pocket that's really big enough. And also, I'm really not supposed to be spending time looking at my phone, but I still want to get text <laughs> messages and, and, and stuff like that. And then a third one that's maybe even like a five or $600 version of, uh, uh, of, a, of, of a Sony like one-inch sensor camera where it's essentially a camera, but it also has a, a slot for that magnetic uh, magnetic tile that will give it phone features, and will, but it's a, it'll also be able to uh, run Android on some level, but it will be a kick-butt camera that has Android features as opposed to an Android phone that has managed to shoehorn a pretty good camera in there. But I guess that's that's the hazard that uh, folks like you and I are in because we we love technology. We can really think ahead two or three, four years. But wouldn't it be awesome if we could do that? But people are happy to know this is my phone and I'll I I spend two or three hundred dollars on one every couple of years. When I get bored with it, I buy a new one. I tend to drop it in the toilet a lot. I don't really have an attachment and uh, imagination about how cool this phone could be. Yeah, I think the way people like us and, and probably, to be fair, a large portion of the people who listen to, you know, a podcast about technology too, uh, do see phones differently. It's always a, a, a funny kind of wake up call when you talk to a you know normal person about how they see their cell phones and, and things that seem significant to you and, and they don't even think about and have never noticed. Uh, that being said, what you were just describing, I did actually do that to a degree for a while. So I use Project Fi on my phone, Google's wireless service, and it has uh, an option, not really advertiser talked about much, but, but really powerful in a way that's not immediately apparent where you can get a data-only SIM for your account. It doesn't cost any extra. And the way Fi works, for anyone not immediately familiar, you basically pay for the data you use, nothing more, nothing less. So what I did for a while, before the Pixel came out, I was carrying the Nexus 6P uh, because it, it was just the only phone that really had the experience I want. But it was too big, and I didn't like it. It's just, it's not for me. I like a smaller phone. And so I got really tired of carrying it around. And if I went to the gym or something, it was just always in my way. So I broke out an older phone. I think it was, you know, I think it was actually my old Moto X that I was using. And I put in a Project Fi data sim. Uh, and so basically, as long as it had either Wi-Fi or LTE connectivity, I could make calls over the internet connection, as Project Fi does, you know, seamlessly. And so for all practical purposes, it was a second phone on the same line. That is not something any normal person would ever do, of course, but it was a workaround that I was just extraordinarily pleased about for a while. And then the Pixel came out. Now I'm back to pretty much just carrying one phone because, you know, it's a lot of hassle to do that. And it, it's not like what you described fully, where everything is just synced up and exactly the same. I mean, you still have to go in and be, you know, think, I need to update this app or wait, I did this on that phone. Most stuff is more or less synced in terms of data, but it's not a totally, you're not looking at literally the same phone from one to the next one. It's still, you know, a different device, of course. Yeah. It'll, that way. Well, well, we, any excuse that we can have to just buy more phones, I think <laughs> that'll work. Um, LG uh, has been teasing the G6 uh, with the words resistance and reliability. 
which two words that probably cost them $75,000 each to have some consultants say, <laughs> no, 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 no pictures, just two words. Um, and uh, so it looks like it's going to have uh, dual cameras. Uh, previous uh, HTC and LG phones have had dual cameras, but uh, they're going to be doing the same sort of setup that the iPhone 7 Plus has, where it's going to have a near camera and a far camera, so it can essentially give you something like a zoom effect without having all that digital uh, hocus-pocus. Um, uh, let's see. And also an always on screen talk about features that uh, we first saw in Motorola phones oh, yeah. uh, so yeah though that's now that's something we kind of we kind of trust and look at um, the other thing is there's uh, this is a, a a through line that seems to be to every phone that's going to be coming out in 2017 uh, it's going to have sort of a weird aspect ratio because uh, design wise they're trying to remove as much of the bezel as possible so to make phones that are no bigger than the phone you have right now but the screen's much 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 bigger because they've removed that black nothingness at the top and at the bottom and at the sides uh, with some sort of a like palm or and fingertip rejection so you know it's not so you have to hold it by the edges like a like a priceless uh, photograph or something like that um, but uh, that's I'm kind of interested in the G6. Uh, I'd like to know what the price is going to be. I think LG has teased this as definitely a flagship grade sort of device. So that sometimes means, well, that's if Apple is charging $900, we can charge 850 at the very least. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, LG always seems to have great ideas when you read about them in advance. And then when the phone comes out, I don't, for me at least, they never quite seem to come together in a cohesive way. And the product always ends up feeling a little awkward and, and not quite as, as polished and, and well thought out in a kind of a holistic sense as uh, you know, what other manufacturers are doing. And every year, I hope this is going to be the one where they really figure it out. It's not just, hey, we've got X, Y, and Z, but here's how X, Y, and Z come together. And it feels like a, a holistic thing and it all makes sense. Maybe this will be the one. I mean, you've got to root for the underdogs because we don't want to live in a world where there's only one manufacturer. I mean, what makes Android interesting is that there's so many different Android manufacturers and, and flavors of devices that you can get. And so I, I certainly hope that LG and the other you know, smaller companies in terms of sales will will find what works and, and continue to to succeed and give us things that, that are genuinely compelling. Yeah, I think their biggest problem, in, at least in the U.S., is uh, not technolo technology, but marketing. The, the number mm -hmm. of ad dollars that Apple and Samsung can throw into uh, any new launch is uh, just phenomenal. It's, uh, it's South Station here in Boston. Samsung always just will buy out every single square foot of ad space in the entire uh, terminal so that when you when commuters arrive in the morning, that's all they see is here is the new Samsung Galaxy S8. Uh, and meanwhile, HTC has to you know, get co-marketing dollars from AT&T and Verizon, and they got a lot of different other uh, clients to service. So you, you hate to see like innovators and people are doing really great stuff, not getting that sort of attention. Um, actually, speaking of uh, Samsung, Samsung and HTC are the two companies that are kind of sitting this one out. Uh, HTC is expected to release the HTC 11 probably sometime next month or the month after, but they don't have any press events scheduled and there isn't a whole lot of information about it outside of you know bezel-less screen and a good amount of memory. Uh, Samsung, not surprisingly, <laughs> they usually have some Something going on uh, during Mobile World Congress. It looks like they're only going to be talking about uh, their uh, their Note tablets because everything is delayed because of you know the the Explodo phone situation from last year. Uh, so they really had to be uh, delay everything. So they don't have anything scheduled. Uh, bad news from this week is, holy crap, did they take a hit <laughs> in consumer confidence. Uh, the annual Harris poll that uh, that uh, judges uh, polls about 30,000 people about uh, on company reputation for all kinds of companies that are operating uh, in the United States of America. Uh, last year, they were number seven. Uh, take a guess as to where they are today on this list of 100 <laughs> companies. They it's got to be a, a big drop. Got to be a big they're drop. They're number 49. <laughs> wow. Down 42 wow. spots. And they are <laughs> they are one peg ahead. They're number 49. Guess who number 50 on this list of polls of popular reputations of companies operating America. They managed to just beat out the United States Postal Service. Ooh. That's bad. Ooh, that's harsh. That's, that's harsh. Who's, who's right ahead of them? Do you have the whole list right in front of you? Uh, I can click on it. Let's see. It's I, I will say that uh, Amazon was number one. Apple was number 
five, I think. Uh, let's see. Unfortunately, I'm streaming video as we go right now. Let's well, see. I think here's, the postal number, service. number 49. Uh, so uh, uh, it's, let's, let's go. Best Buy is 46, then 20, 21st Century Fox, then Hyundai, then Samsung, number 49. The United States Postal Service at 50. Macy's is 51. CVS hmm. is 52. It should be higher because they give us the pills that keep Grandpa alive. <laughs> Pepsi is 53. Pepsi makes some a very, very fine product. I'm, Pepsi. It doesn't seem like a company you really have much trust in one way or the other. I mean, it's, well, it's, it's, you, you, you trust it to give you give you a good buzz. You trust well, it that's to true. That's you true. Know, give you diabetes, which is lots of <laughs> other things you can accessorize with. But, yeah, I mean, the post office one is is rough. I, I think what's tough, and and we saw this in a lot of pop culture, is that for most people. A Samsung phone is a Samsung, or maybe it's a Galaxy. And I think it's going to be tough for Samsung to get away from the perception of Samsung equals explosion or Galaxy equals explosion. There was something I, I wrote about a couple months ago where uh, what struck me was an SNL skit shortly after, I think it was like in October, sometime last fall, around the time that all that was in the news, where I think it was even their, their open. It was a pretty high, you know, high up in the show skit. They didn't even refer to the phone as the Note 7 or the Note. They just called it the Samsung Galaxy 7. And, and no one thought twice about it. It wasn't a big deal. Everyone knew what they meant. And that is where you wonder how much of a branding problem Samsung's going to have. Because if the Samsung Galaxy 7 caught fire and that's on a mainstream show like SNL, you know, not at all aimed at, at, at geeks or anything like that, everybody's following it and doesn't think twice, uh, that's, that's not good for their brand. I mean, that is their, their key brand right there. So it'll be interesting yeah, to see if, if it has an effect. The fact that every U.S. airline was legally required right. by the FAA not to take off until they've warned people to, by all that, for God's sake, smash the window and throw a Samsung phone out before it kills everybody, <laughs> that, that really does test your faith in the edict that there is no such thing as bad, as bad press. That's, that's hard to deal with. I don't, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this affects people, though, because... Because people are really, really weird. They, uh, if, they, if they've been buying Samsung phones and they've been liking Samsung phones, uh, you put in front of them a really cool new phone, they'll th might, they might think that, well, it was just that one phone and they changed a whole bunch of things. It, or they might have just even sort of forgotten about it, so to speak, or they're, they're, they're willing to reset the clock. So I can imagine that there's going to be <laughs> – when the S8 gets released – there's going to be a, and you get this free pair of noise-canceling headphones, and you get this $500 Best Buy gift card. Uh, we will also go to your aunt's house uh, in a truck that purports to be a florist delivering a huge bouquet and say, I'm sorry, we were supposed to deliver these on your birthday. It's from your nephew. Uh, boy, I don't know how we, we, we screwed that up, but it was definitely not him that forgot your birthday six weeks ago. It was us who screwed this up. Anything to get people to at least be the first, be the first people to get back in the water after the shark attack. Uh, I think they're going to make that happen. Right, and then you, just, you can't read the fine print at the bottom of the ad where it says, flame-resistant hazmat suit sold separately. Yeah, they, hopefully they can, that won't be the case. They can, they can have fun with it. They can, <laughs> you know, they, they can get the same dancers that Intel hired to uh, like dance on stage from the in the those full body suits for, for the clean room suits when they have the new uh, uh, new Pentiums. But just, you know, put them in fire suits and they're you know dancing this dancing up a storm. So long as so long as they can cabbage patch and Yogi uh, as well as anybody, I think that the, it's it's a good distraction option. Um, oh yeah, and it couldn't be any cheesier than previous Samsung phone introductions. They're they're glitzy over the top events. I mean. I mean, hey, yeah, might as well go with it. <laughs> I, we've, I'm sure we've both been to a few of these things where it's like, oh, good heavens, this is so unnecessary. I'm glad, I'm glad that I'm glad that these dancers are getting work. <laughs> I'm glad. Sure, I'm glad sure. that they, you know, because they, they they have parents too, and their parents are, you know, they get that really tense Thursday afternoon phone call. It's nice to say, oh, I booked a corporate gig. Like, oh, for who? Uh, Samsung. Oh. Your father has a Samsung phone, honey. She's working for Samsung now. You know, so uh, but otherwise, you're <laughs> like, oh, please just get me to the demo room. Um, they are right. trying to get. They are trying to get ahead of things, uh, even though they did already announce that they're not having any announcements at uh, any hardware phone announcements at uh, Mobile World Congress. Uh, they might decide to at least announce what the launch date will be. 
Uh, and also a lot of leaks are coming out and they're not leaks about how uh, much in trouble this phone is or leaks about interesting features. Uh, there are a lot of really, really accurate, or excuse me, uh, detailed rather than accurate uh, mock-ups. Uh, and if these are true, then we're looking for something that will have, uh, as is on trend, practically no bezel, a screen that wraps around uh, both sides left and right, uh, fingerprint reader being moved on the side, no home button, so it's going to go all virtual, a retina scanner, some sort of a HDMI desktop dock, uh, kind of similar to what Windows Phone was doing a few years ago, uh, a couple years ago, where if you just put this in the stock, then you suddenly have like a larger screen uh, desktop version of Android for running like desktop style Android apps. Uh, so again, if they if they razzle dazzle you and also make the price good, all that has to do is no fires for the first thirty days. <laughs> it's because <laughs> remember this thing's going to be on sale for a whole year, so they could get away with it. Yeah, and the desktop desktop dock will be another interesting one to see if they pull it off. Because that's one we've seen even on Android that that uh, I can't the name of the phone's escaping me, but there was that Motorola phone several years ago that tried yeah, yeah. that. And of course, Android's come a long yeah, way. Yeah, you've had a laptop dock available for it. Yeah, right, right, right. And it's just it's never been a great experience when anyone's tried it. So it'll be interesting to see, and especially with the rumors of you know, Android and Chrome OS continuing to work together in the future, what they can do now as opposed to maybe what we'll see in another year or two, if we'll reach a point where perhaps an Android phone can plug into something and give you a more Chrome OS-like desktop-centric experience. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen now with Samsung. That'd be quite a shock, but it'll be, uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see what they do manage to do. And if it if it brings the experience forward from that sort of great idea on paper, not quite there in reality deal that we've seen when that's been tried before. Uh, like you said, with Windows Phone, I think it's probably worked a little bit better than what we've seen with Android in the past. So who knows? Maybe they've got something up their sleeves. Uh, so in sweet news, we'll continue with the uh, uplifting news of the day, which is nice <laughs> to see for a change. A, a seven-year-old girl from England sent a handwritten letter to, as she put it, Google boss. She said she would love to get a job with Google when she's bigger if she doesn't, you know, decide to work in a chocolate factory or become an Olympic swimmer instead, that is. Uh, she talked about how she loved computers, learning, how her dad suggested she send in a job application. And she also, I, this is my favorite part, I think, said it was the second letter she'd ever written in her life, <laughs> with the first being to Father Christmas. Father Christmas and Google <laughs> boss. It somehow seems appropriate. But the best part of the story is that Google CEO Sundar Pichai actually wrote her back and personally thanked her for the letter. Uh, this was printed in Business Insider. They got a copy of it. Uh, he said he thought if she kept working hard, she could accomplish everything she set her mind to, working at Google, swimming in the Olympics, you name it. And he said he looked forward to receiving her formal actual job application uh, once she was finished with school. So we can all take a moment to issue a collective Oh, um, I feel good. <laughs> yeah, it must it must be great. Normally, uh, he doesn't get to like see Google employees before their spirits have been broken. Uh, so <laughs> to be able to see a future employee, young, innocent, you know, expecting the world to be this wonderful, delightful cornucopia of unicorns and rainbows, and just be able to have that baseline reading as, as he's probably got that 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 letter just hung up on his wall, so that. When they're when they're basically doing like support for uh, uh, what they're basically on the team that tries to find out what the click latency is on this reply all button on Gmail, and she's writing hundreds and hundreds of reports a week to just look at her, her, that evaluation and say she came from so high, and we drove her <laughs> so down. I'm this is this is this is why we this is why we do what we do. Yeah, now she's just with everyone else binging on graham crackers and and marshmallows in the cafeteria. <laughs> well, there's as long as you get yeah free for free free marshmallows is a it's an adequate uh, not not a complete uh, substitute for a human soul, but it's it, it addresses it. It slaps at the problem at the very yeah, least. Yeah, it's a it's a step. <laughs> uh, other things. Uh, about one of my favorite projects at uh, at Google, uh, Project Loon. That was that idea of how do we create uh, broadband to places that it's going to be really, really difficult to run fiber optic and uh, create uh, services across bad terrain. Uh, the idea was to let's have the infrastructure actually being held aloft by balloons that circle the globe and deliver it where it's needed. 
uh, and create this uh, sort of floating network. Uh, it's been it's been moving forward and forward and forward. We forget we forget that when we first heard about this, the project director was talking about how this is one of those projects inside of Google where <laughs> it's like every time said, "Well, here's this idea." I said, "Oh, that's stupid. That can't possibly work." Look, here's five hundred dollar budget and take a week on it just to prove how, how that can't possibly work. And then he came back with like the paperwork. No, actually, it turns out that the math is good. Oh, all right, fine. I mean, if, if I can't believe you're this sort of glutton for punishment, here's a thousand dollars to like do a feasibility study it's like no now it's actually feasible <laughs> oh you walked right into it okay here's 10 grand to make to make a balloon in the parking lot just to prove it doesn't work and and for the, the damn thing kept working and working and working and now they're at that now they're at the worst part of it where the bosses are no longer laughing at them they're saying excellent and now now i want you to focus on how this could make us money we're not mm. just a damn bank that lets you play with balloons all day make this into a damn product Uh, and it turns out that they have been doing some tweaks to the idea where they figured out that by applying of course artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, they can actually instead of having uh, balloons that orbit the entire earth to get this job done they can actually now just deploy smaller constellations of balloons and deploy them to a specific area and they can be kind of like you know like cows of the air so to speak that deliver broadband instead of milk where the the herd of balloons can basically deploy themselves and keep themselves arrayed in the right positions uh instead of again maintaining orbit so they can do this project with far 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 fewer pieces of hardware in the air than they thought possible uh which means that it's that much closer to being a real option uh and this is another Another kind of project I really love because we take for granted the idea that we're in parts of the we live in parts of the world where we can complain about the sort of broadband we're getting from our cable company, but we don't we don't have to worry about actually getting access to the internet. Even if we don't have a house, we can go to McDonald's or or, or public library and have access to the internet. Whereas so many parts of the world, they're you know, they, they're raring to go, but it's just not economically feasible for any company to run wires or even run a, a wireless transponder uh, to give them that kind of service. So it seems like a very nice and elegant solution. They're also saying that the balloons uh, can actually stay up for a lot longer than they thought. So it's not as though they have to uh, keep someone in a van chasing it uh, 24-7. So I really hope this turns into something. Yeah, I mean, it's really one of those things that when you hear about it, you would just assume it was a Google April Fool's joke. It's hard to believe that this is reality. I mean, it sounds like science fiction. So it's incredible to see that kind of research and things actually being done. And, and it'll be fascinating to see if, if one day that becomes a thing, something that's out in the world and more than just this uh, sort of small scale experiment. I mean, even the name Project Loon, it sounds like this is just <laughs> a joke. Don't worry about it. But it clearly is not one of those things that we heard about once and went away, <laughs> despite yep. all the odds that seemed like that would be the case. Yeah. It's, cer- it's, it's certainly got to be more fulfilling than the team at Google that is deciding on the chamfer angle of the next phone. Like, what did you do? Well, I decided that it turns out that if we exchange the tolerance to 18 nanometers, we can actually have a yield of... What did you do? I've helped kids in a village uh, get access to Project Con uh, advanced learning, even though they barely have electricity. But hey... But the chamfers, man! The chamfers! That is one... <laughs> you, you, you killed that chamfer angle thing and you should be very very proud of that (laughs) let's hear again from yasmin with our next uh capitalist supporter uh this message from squarespace take it away yasmin and this episode of material is brought to you by squarespace enter offer code material at checkout to get 10 percent off your first purchase make your next move with squarespace squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name award-winning templates and more So maybe you want to create an online store, host your portfolio, or maybe you want to run a blog. You can even, uh, you know, start podcasting. They have that all set up for you. They have an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about all that stuff. Squarespace has got you covered. They have an award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. And they also let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Uh, so what are some domain names? I mean, we, we already got uh, She Deserves This and More, which is pretty, pretty awesome. Shout out to all the people that made that happen. And uh, maybe maybe another domain name is She Deserves This Week Off and More. 
So yeah, maybe maybe that's a good one. Um, with all the award-winning templates that you have, they have, you know, it's going to be beautifully designed so you can off, show off your great idea. It's going to look great on all their responsive templates. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code material to get 10% off your first purchase and to show you support for material. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. So what's it going to be? What's your next website going to be, listeners? Thank you for your support, listeners. Now back to you, Andy and JR. So we all know about the Pixel phone, Google's big device of the moment. And now we're learning a little bit more about how it came to be. Uh, Google's Pixel's Pixel team did a kind of, sort of, in-depth-ish interview with CNET about their process designing and just generally coming up with the phone. Uh, There's a little bit of hype and a little bit of silliness, but there are some interesting tidbits in there amidst all the ooh and ah magical designer speak we always hear from people who make and presumably also erotically caress our various gadgets as they're designing them. Okay, let's, but, just, let's just differentiate that that's JR speaking, not Andy, but continue. Well, I'm one of those people. We, I, I mean, don't make that, them. We I, is a big world. It's, it's, <laughs> not, it's, not, it's not even the enemies of America that are all doing that. It's, you know. <clears throat> Erotically caressing your gadgets is a perfectly healthy thing. This is a PSA. I'm, I'm on the record. You can, uh, we need the little NBC More You Know music. I don't judge. Right there now. Dun, 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 dun. I'm just repulsed. That's all. Oh. I understand. I understand. So uh, first and foremost, as far as the non-caressing oriented uh, tidbits there, we're hearing again from this article that the real now motivation... Now caressing tidbits! Come... Oh, I think you've got the problem now. I don't know. <laughs> okay. No more caressing. Not until this show is over. I'm telling Everybody... the editor to leave this in. You are the worst enemy of America that I've in our organization. Oh, this show is never going to go to air, is it? No one's going to hear this. It's all going to be censored. <laughs> so, okay, Pixel. Uh, we heard that, and we'd heard this before, but hearing it again straight from Google's mouth, that a big part of moving from, to Pixel from Nexus was taking the idea of a Google phone from being this niche-level techie thing into being a true mainstream device. Uh, you know, the advertising, the positioning of it, it all supports that, and, and Google's kind of saying that again. My question there is, why still... Can't Google keep the damn thing in stock? You know, we're at the pixel level. Google's running the entire show, uh, manufacturing it, uh, packaging it, selling it, everything. There's a whole dedicated hardware department uh, with the guy who used to run Motorola heading it up, managing it all. So shouldn't all those problems from the Nexus years of keeping things in stock and, and having issues selling them be solved? Shouldn't you be able to go and order the flipping phone if you want it? Uh, right now, and uh, people have been talking about this again just in the last few days, you can't even backorder it most of the time. It's just flat out unavailable in most, if not all, configurations, which just seems like Google shooting itself in the foot when it's got a phone that's so favorably reviewed, made to be mainstream. And, you know, Joe Schmo, average guy on the street says, oh, I saw that ad for the Pixel, goes, looks for it, can't order it, out of stock, can't backorder. What's he going to do? He's going to walk into the Verizon store or wherever and, and buy the iPhone or the Galaxy S, this or that, or whatever they have the big sign for. I, I don't get that. I don't get that. Yeah, that's really too bad. I mean, particularly because this is like a this isn't an impulse buy item. This is uh, the, the 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 Nexus Five X was three hundred bucks, three hundred fifty bucks, sure. which means that you might give you might take a flutter on it. This is you got nine hundred bucks in your pocket. That means that you've got seven to nine hundred bucks to buy any phone on the market, including an iPhone. Uh, and the iPhone can be in, in short supply, but they also have that big glowing Apple logo in pretty much every mall uh, within a 20-minute drive of almost everybody in the East and West Coast and most of the middle. Uh, it's disappointing. This is this is their first time doing their own branded phone, so there's certainly some growing pains. Uh, it's uh, I guess I guess I would much rather have the situation where they made an awesome phone that everybody wants but they didn't make enough of them then they made a really kind of piddling poor phone that is just going to be in every single discount bin at every single best buy um, and that uh, article uh, cnet seems to have had a, a number of a good amount of access to a, a good number of people uh talking about just all the design decisions that went through it um <laughs> like the brian rakowski uh Google vice president of project ma product management for software. We're talking about just the na just the names of the body colors, and they're dis mm -hmm. they're dismissing things like white and black and blues. Like, here's a quote: "We were like, this is lame. 
<laughs> so they said right to the marketing team. So the marketing team tried again with a more sarcastic and self-aware approach, eventually arriving at the names we now use. Uh, Rukowski said, definitely felt on brand. Uh, we first, we like poking fun at ourselves a little bit. Uh, and to actually choose that color of blue in the limited, limited edition of the limited availability phone, uh, the team brought in focus groups to evaluate different color samples and mock-ups. Dozens of colors were proposed, including an emerald green, a dusty purple, a deep yellow, and a delicate baby blue. Ooh. Yeah. I think we were all very pleased when we saw the names of quite black, very silver, and really blue. Because you always see these phone names of, uh, you know, refresh. My, my phone <laughs> color is refresh. What, what does refresh mean? But they just, as you said, went went away with all the, uh, did away with all the, the, the marketing gimmicky silliness stuff and just went with almost self-mockery in the names, which is I was just glad to see them use, like, real colors. It's like I was at the um, uh, the Apple company store when I was at Apple uh, a couple few weeks ago. And even there, like, the, yes, they have, like, pens with the Apple logo on it, but only available in the black of the boring black of a phone or the boring, slightly less dark black of the phone or the rose gold, which would be pink if they had a sense of fun, but they don't. So it's great to see <laughs> like a company just say, you know what, we're gonna, not just blue, but we're going to have almost an offensive level of blue. Like if, if, oh, if, yeah. if you are allergic to blue, we want to send you an anaphylactic shock so quickly that your EpiPen will not save you. That's how much blue this <laughs> is. Um, Jason Bremer, uh, Bremner was also another person they talked to, uh, Google vice president of phones, uh, was talking about uh, the slight wedge-like shape of the thing uh, and how it solved a whole bunch of problems uh, because uh, the camera, which is one of the landmark features of the device, was so big that they they knew that they would have to have a bump like uh, like the iPhone and their phones do. They didn't want to do that, so they made it a wedge that would solve that problem. Uh, and they also realized that, hey, well, since we got this extra space in there anyway, why don't we put in a bigger battery? Uh, so it was kind of they said it called it a twofer in that uh, in that regard. Yeah, that's a neat little insight too, and it's one of those things that you always hear the quote, and I think it was even in that article that that good design is what you don't notice when it's, when it's bad design is when you do notice it, and that's one of those things where I had to go back and look at my my own Pixel phone that I have again, and I said, oh yeah, it is like that. You don't even think about the fact that it has a, a thicker profile on the top and then tapers down. It just kind of makes sense and works, and it allowed them to do things like avoid. You know, having a big camera bump that would make it sit awkwardly on a table and, and like you said, give it a little more battery space uh, and thus hopefully battery life. And it just works. It, it works nicely and, and you just don't even realize that it's there until you read about it. And, and that's that's good design. I also like that same guy, uh, Jason Bremner, had a quote at the end of the article where he said, building a phone is honestly a product of compromise. It's all on trade-offs and trying to find that sweet spot. And I think having done reviews, I'd imagine you probably experience this too. Whatever you review, and, and no matter what the result, you always have people who say, oh, but it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that. And even if you, even if you come out and say, it's a, it's, a pretty, it's a good phone, you know, maybe it's not perfect. You get the people who are saying, oh, I'd never buy it because it's in the case of the Pixel. It's not waterproof or, you know, it doesn't have dual front-facing speakers. And sure, it would be better if it, if it had things like that, but... Ultimately, what they are doing is trying to compromise and, and figure out what can work, both logistically, financially. Uh, and that actually brings us into something else we were going to talk about, that the, the Pixel product lead is openly soliciting feedback and su suggestions now on an official Google forum for the next Pixel. He posted something asking people for, for their requests, and uh, I think we both scanned through it. It seems like a lot of people are mentioning some of those things we were just talking about, the better stereo speakers. I saw uh, people asking for waterproofing. I did see people talking about the availability, and they'd say, the phone's <laughs> great, let me buy it. Uh, so it's, it's unusual for a phone company, which Google now is technically, to be openly asking people, what would you like us to do with the next one? They may or may not take those suggestions, but it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a nice gesture that they're at least open to people, you know, contributing and giving their opinions. Yeah, it's it's nice that uh, you don't have these questions going off into the ether. 
Um, the uh, Apple actually has an open line where if you've got a bug report, you can file a bug report or even make an open suggestion. But it just you are tying a note to a pigeon's leg, the pigeon flies off, and then you never see the pigeon again. And for all you know, you uh, you were uh, a big influence on an important change. But uh, it's nice to have uh, Krishna coming out and simply openly saying, no, no, no please, everybody, uh, invite yourself. And of course, when the forum just absolutely crashed due to capacity, uh, it wasn't okay. Thank you. We're closing. It was we're closing. The, we're closing this thread and opening a brand new one so we can continue to open your stuff. Uh, these these companies, they do listen. They just don't necessarily let you know that they're listening. Uh, and it's not surprising to see that everybody pretty much seems to want this, uh, the same things. Some people are even asking for smaller bezel. Uh, some people are asking for – saying that the uh, – uh, the lines, uh, the the antenna lines, they think are kind of ugly. Uh, I don't mind; it's uh, they're they're functional, and you don't kind of you don't kind of miss them. Uh, so, but again, yeah, stereo speaker separation, uh, waterproofness, it's, it's nice stuff. I uh, I do think that the second generation of these phones is going to be really something to look at uh, because there there are stories about how they didn't necessarily rush this first one through, but they really thought that getting Huawei to build it for them was a slam dunk. And it kind of threw their schedule when Huawei said, no, we, why would we spend all that time building a phone that doesn't have our logo on it? Uh, and so they kind of had to come up with a plan B very quickly. And there are all kinds of indications that this is the, the, the model coming out this fall is the one that would be the one that they would have made if they had two years to really think about it. Um, and at, at least there's definitely a, a second version of this. Uh, I don't know if, if anybody listening uh, bought a uh, uh, the uh, Pixel trans the Pixel tablet slash keyboard uh, computer that came out was it last year at Google I/O or the year before? Yeah, I think it was like the Pixel C. Yeah, Pixel C. Thank you. Uh, and that's now a dead product. I mean, it's, it's nice. Uh, people who I, I've I uh, I never reviewed it, but I was able to use one for a while. And for what it is, it's a very well made one of those. And just as with the Pixel, and just as with the Nexus devices before them, it really is cool to see. Google Express, here is what is we are thinking inside our heads when we think about a phone that runs the Nougat version of Android. Uh, and all these other companies are going to come up with their own answers, and some of them are going to be more expensive and some are going to be less expensive. But this is what we think of when we think Android 7.0 on a phone. And so it's nice to see that kind of influence on tablets, on notebooks, on everything. Yeah, and it seems like most of the things people are asking for with the next-gen Pixel in this forum are, are the things that logically you would think and hope the second generation of the phone would have. You know, I mean, maybe we'll see some massive innovation in, in hardware or Android over the next year. Who knows? But, you know, that aside, these are the kinds of little incremental improvements that you do tend to see from first generation to second generation. Uh, and it'll be interesting, too. You were talking about the Pixel C. I, there were some reports around the time of, of that coming out that suggested perhaps that device was originally meant to do something more with a, more of kind of an Android Chrome OS hybrid. And there's yeah. always speculation about some form or other of that being on the horizon. So, you know, whether the next generation Pixel or some alternate upcoming Pixel, I think there are, there are rumors of other various tablets and, and convertible devices, too, will take advantage of, of Android and Chrome working together in, in some different capacity than what we know now. Uh, it should be an interesting year for all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Google I.O. is going to be something to really look for, uh, not just for more demos of self-driving cars. Uh, I like I like how Android is. Google is not afraid to just be crazy and just do things that just seem like good ideas. Uh, I don't mean to denigrate Apple for not doing that sort of stuff, but there, in many ways, Apple is like that really annoying person you're playing chess with who like moves the rook, but then keeps his finger on it. Like I haven't, I don't go yet. This doesn't count, and keeps looking at the board. Like, this isn't, this doesn't count. I haven't gone yet. And it's like they don't want to show you something unless they are paranoidically sure that it can't possibly fail. As opposed to, why don't you just get it out? And if you're Google, if you're Apple, it's okay to have a phone that's just kind of okay. If that's how it turns out to be, because you can then watch people use it and make the next one even better. Because even if you have the most blockbustery phone ever of 2017, no one is going to care about it in 2018. Just like they're not going to care about it. Again, assuming that the phone didn't explode. A bad phone, right. they don't care about it in 2018. <laughs> HTC and LG can make whatever phone they want to do. Sony can make whatever kind of Xperia phone they want to make because people don't care about what happened the, the previous year. So it's nice to see. It, it, I just love the the idea of 
Every time I settle in for a Google I.O. keynote, I have no flippin' idea of what I'm going to hear, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, and I mean, then take last year, uh, out of the blue one day, I think it was early-ish March, there was just a blog post of, here's Android N. No one was expecting yep. that. You know, I mean, we'd had the preview release the year before, which was kind of a surprise in and of itself. And then last year was even earlier, just no forewarning. It just showed up on the internet one day. And so that really took a lot of the wind out of what we would have expected to see at Google I.O. And, and kind of goes back to what you were saying, too, about Google versus Apple. Apple that would be very uncharacteristic of Apple to do something like that, <laughs> of, you know, to just reveal a major new OS that early ahead of its release with no warning and, and in such an atypical fashion. So uh, y you never know. I mean, it, by the time people listen to the show tomorrow, we could have the preview of Android O. Anything is possible. <laughs> the one thing I've learned in covering Google for all these years is that every time you think you've figured out what they're going to do, they surprise you. There's always something, whether it's killing this off, introducing this, changing this. Just when you think you've gotten the pattern down, they shake it up and do something completely different. <laughs> We're almost out of time, but do you have any guesses as to what Android O will stand for? What, what, oh, what candy? Yeah. Some, some, it, somebody it, at Google like t t coyly tweeted pictures of, o of Oreos, but he's been known to be just to enjoy playing with people that way. Right. Oreo seems like the obvious one and the one that it, you just think it's got to be. Of course, it also requires it's a brand. So Oreo would it, I'm sure it has to have some kind of deal in place. But that's the one that makes the most sense. But if they're already kind of talking about it and teasing it, it seems like when they do that, it's a misdirection and they're not going to go in that way unless they know we're thinking that. So they're doing the misdirection to misdirect us. And the misdirection is really the thing. Did that make any sense at all? <laughs> That's the most second most obvious mistake you can possibly make. The first <laughs> most obvious mistake is to never start a land war in Asia. But the second <laughs> is to never guess. Yeah, it's there's definitely a lot of they know, but Chinos and they know, but we know that they know. Um, right. Before we go, but it's not wanna... Oreo. I wouldn't mind Oreo. That would give me an excuse. Uh, I've also it could be Oleo. It could be just like a big like tub of like large substitute. I would appreciate that. That'd be nice. So, make for a nice so, statue. Like pie crusts. It could give everyone an idea to, to make pie crusts. If you're, if, if you're, I don't know, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that where you should be on the butter versus Crisco side of the debate regarding proper pie crust uh, uh, fat content. I'm just saying that that's a, that's an option because <laughs> there, unless you want to save, save pie for pee. Again, it's it's mm, mm. it's a it's a it's a long winter, you know. It's we have time to think about these things as we look outside at the plummeting thermometers, birds freezing to death in midair, and falling to the ground with a sickening thud. We can just <laughs> think about candies and cookies and cakes that start with O and P and speculate. Important issues, yes. <laughs> Another important issue. Uh, before we go, there was uh, something that came across uh, the the web today. Uh, there's a really clever, which is to say dangerous, new uh, malware attack uh, uh, infecting, infecting uh, some webs, uh, some uh, websites uh, that exploit uh, that uh, affects people using Chrome. What it does is uh, an infected site will simulate a missing font. Like it will, uh, you'll, you'll see the text of the page, but the, the text will all be screwed up. And then will pop up a really super convincing dialog box that looks like a Chrome browser system dialog saying, oh, well, you need to download this new font. Uh, you need a font update in order to see this this page properly. Just click on this and uh, it will install for you automatically. Uh, and of course, it will download an .exe file that will uh, deploy uh, malware onto your system. Uh, so definitely, and it's it's uh, it's out there in the wild. It is not a, a proof of concept. It's definitely out there somewhere. Uh, the articles I read about it did not mention the names of the websites. Usually, we're talking about either pirate sites or porn sites. Uh, so be doubly conscious of such problems if you're there. But uh, if you do, anytime you see any sort of a system dialogue that says, hey, download this attachment or download this thing, it's a safe thing to quit the browser, restart it, uh, and then check for updates from uh, from the actual browser app itself. Uh, and so do not get hit by that. Do you, uh, I just found this like an hour before uh, before the show, so I don't know much more about it than that. It's wise advice. I mean, this kind of stuff you think – 
well, gosh, my grandma would fall for it. But I mean, if, yeah. if you look at the it's very convincing. If you look at the screenshot of what it looks like, it would be easy for anyone to fall for this. So it's, it's important things to know it's there and avoid it. And then hopefully it's the kind of thing Google moves fast on typically with Chrome updates. And, and hopefully there will be a patch that will prevent it from doing said damage, uh, hopefully very soon. Yeah, uh, it's it's the the key is that this is caught really really quickly. Uh, I'm sure that it won't be long before uh, it will. Th this will be added to uh, Google's canonical blacklist of, of 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 bad things for websites to do, uh, and we'll just read out your entire window and say no 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 no. Unless you're a journalist who wants to see how this works, I suggest that you don't do this. Just like you do not take that beehive and stick it directly into your underpants. You can do that. We will let you do that, but we're going to tell you that this is not something that you want to do wait i'm sorry did you say journalist i believe you meant enemy of the american people we've oh, well, that uh, revised that saying. term yes okay. saying. i mean uh, seriously i mean that we can i'm i'm in a way that we should in a way we should, we should be grateful because how much did we budget for uh, the marketing campaign we were going to come out of the uh, come out in public like this i mean uh, trump it's like it's like when like you uh, you find out that beyonce for uh, a sequence of events that you can't even guess at is wearing one of the one of the baseball caps from your boutique uh, in her latest video. It's like when when Trump tweets you and says that you are the you are the enemy of the American people. And again, you had the bus ads done, you had the interactive stuff, your social media game was on point, and suddenly you can divert all of that towards you know that thing we're doing in May. Uh, it's it's not bad. I mean, it's not bad. It's you know it's mildly just, evil. Yeah. It's again evil. Exactly. It's, <laughs> yeah. There's a difference between evil and bad. Yeah. It's like if we if we were to suddenly make every artificial sweetener uh, at every single Dunkin' Donuts taste exactly the same, but it just turns the coffee a little bit of a sickly green. That's evil. It's not bad. It doesn't make anybody sick. It just delivers the point. It's for a greater good, and that's all you can ask for in this kind of situation. A greater good as interpreted by evil people. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's nice to change some things up. Hey, you know, at least all we're trying to do is turn your coffee green. I mean, there, there, there are some nimrods out there that, you know, I mean, they said, oh, no, there are 30 million people have health insurance. Let's make sure they don't have health insurance. I mean, those people are nuts. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy talk right there. You know, that, that wasn't that wasn't that the meeting which we decided that we were no longer going to like have like open discussions and start off with, hey, there's no such thing as a bad idea. Because well, it's I, like, oh, good uh, heavens. I think Chairman Satan was there and did file that memo. I read the notes of it. I, I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. You, you, I should introduce you. To, I'm, I'm surprised he doesn't let you call him Greg. Oh, everybody yeah, calls well, him Greg. I, I've always been very formal, but uh, yeah, I need to. Get I mean, that it's easy to be intimidated. Yeah, I mean, it he, is. He, he has been with the New York Times for like God. Like I think he hired Bill Cunningham. That's how long he's been at the Times. <laughs> well, it's uh, you know, that's why he's got the big office downstairs. <laughs> Well, I mean, we're looking forward to uh, the week-long fight as uh, Russell and uh, Yasmin try to wrest control of this show back from uh, us evil people who are the enemies of America. Good luck to them. I, I'm really, really, really fighting for them because uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm sure they'll have a lot of stories of hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat and then whatever. It's, well, let's not spoil it. But uh, thank you so much, JR, for joining us this week. Again, uh, go do that voodoo that you do so well. Uh, where can people read you and have the whole uh, JR refill experience? Well, you can find me Twitter, Google Plus. If you're on Google Plus anymore, there are two of us left. <laughs> Kidding. There are actually nice, some nice people there, uh, despite reports to the contrary. Uh, easiest thing is just go to my personal writing website, which is jrstart, J-R-S-T-A-R-T.com. Links to all my stories and social media profiles and all that fun stuff right there. Absolutely. And I am Andy Anatko. As usual, the price of admission is uh, spell my last name. Uh, I'm at anatko.com where I blog. I'm anatko on Twitter and Instagram. And for the stuff I write for pay, you have to go to suntimes.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We were just joking about doing evil, bad things. We're just still perturbed that we were being a journalist. It's a hard, it's hard, hard work. And we called it enemy of America, even though, you know, there's, let, let me just, I, I don't want to toot my own horn. There was a guy at, uh, uh, at Back Bay Station uh, the other day in Boston, and he didn't know how to use the automated ticket machine. And I just walked him right through it and got him his ticket. And so we, that's not what an enemy of America would do. That's what I'm saying. So I'm not saying that I'm better than the president of the United States. 
I'm implying that I'm better than the President of the United States. <laughs> that's what makes the difference, yeah. Exactly. So that's <laughs> it for this week. Hope you tune in next week. Until then, all else is immaterial. Thanks a lot. 